Support for this podcast comes from Frito-Lay in the 2023 Snack Bracket Championship. The Frito-Lay Snack Challenge is underway, and fans are voting on their favorite snacks to crown champion. We're talking about primetime matchups between the best 64 snacks in the land. Will Ruffles Ridges reign supreme? Can Doritos defend their dynasty? Or will Smart Food use their smarts for a surprise upset? Only you can decide. Get in on all the action for a chance to win up to $1,000 or a year's worth of snacks. Let your snacks be heard. Just go to Frito-LaySnackIt.SBNation.com to vote and enter for a chance to win. No purchase necessary. Sweepstakes ends April 3rd, 2023. Void but prohibited. Years worth of snacks awarded in the form of 52 coupons, each good for one bag of chips. See official rules at Frito-LaySnackIt.SBNation.com. Jackson trying to escape and run for it, and he's got it more. Lamar Jackson down the sideline. Will they give it to him? They will. Touchdown, Baltimore. And with 117 left to play on Wild Card Weekend, the Hayes in the Barn. Oh my God! I wish you guys could. I wish we had a camera in here so you could see what we're doing. We're just a bunch of <laughs> clowns in here. <laughs> How much fun is that? All right, welcome on back to another edition of the Baltimore Beat Town Podcast. It is Friday, March twenty sixth. My name is Jake Luke. Joined by Spencer Nathaniel Schultz here in the Jeremy Butler Memorial Studio. Cracking a couple vizies uh, here on a Thursday night, uh, coming to you guys on a Friday morning. Uh, trying to, uh, you know, enjoy ourselves, getting into a little fun, spirited discussion on the uh, upcoming F1 season right before we got going here. Uh, so that's what this entire episode is going to be, is just an F1 season preview. So I hope you guys are excited for that. F1 on the way, the Grand Prix this Sunday, the 1st of 21. And it's gonna be good times. I'm I'm still uh, not sure who I'm gonna follow. Who's gonna be my guy? I feel like I'm I'm between Daniel Ricardo. I'm between Carlos Sainz. I'm between a uh, couple couple racers there. But I uh, I need to I need to stick to one. Or I guess I could have two. Having two is okay. Yeah, I've, I was telling you before we got going here, and uh, we will get into football talk shortly for anyone who's just absolutely banging their head against the wall. But. Uh, uh, if you are one of those people, or if you're not, definitely check out F1 Drive to Survive on Netflix. That'll get you into it, as it did him and myself. But I, I was kind of telling you, I, I just kind of jump around, even still after like a year of following it, and uh, it's you know still I still get a lot of enjoyment out of it. It's kind of like watching Premier League, where I don't really have a team, but you know I still get uh, you know I still enjoy the drama of it all. That's kind of how I've become in the NBA too, a little bit. Like I still like kind of am a Wizards fan, but I, uh, I like every season. There's like a team that I like or don't like, and I like for certain people to lose but i uh yeah I'm, I'm trying to figure out who i want to get into and I, i'm i'm leaning signs or or daniel ricardo okay yeah that makes a lot of sense i think uh daniel ricardo is a guy who's similar to you very gregarious and uh likes to talk about how good looking he is which is another thing that you're doing all the time maybe not so much on the show but definitely an off the air type thing so uh yeah that's great but uh otherwise all that how you doing bud doing quite well I did a little three-day juice cleanse and just finished that up, burnt the crap out of my mouth. 
had a couple of Vizzies getting busy in the Jeremy Butler Memorial Studio. So we're, we're doing well, dog. Vizzy, 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 can't you see? Yeah, you went on a juice cleanse and then you immediately smoked it with uh, Genova's to go. Yep. Yes, I did. <laughs> Which is kind of kind of sick. Were you supposed to go longer or what was the deal there? I uh, It's been 72 hours of drinking juice and water of ju- like homemade juiced carrots and celery and all that kind of stuff. And I was going to do it through the night and have it be like day, day three, but it's been over 72 hours and I was, I was hungry. So is that all instead of food? Yeah. I haven't eaten any solid food, just water and, and homemade juice since what? Monday, Monday night. Interesting. I might have to look into this. It was all right. It uh, felt like a little less bloated. I need to go back on whole 30. I feel like I have like some food sensitivities that are my, I have, not that I'm like allergic to anything, but like my body is more ideal, like comfortability wise and athletically and things when I like maybe don't eat bread or maybe don't eat cheese or something. I need to, I need to do, I did whole 30 and you're supposed to like reintroduce the things that are prohibited on whole 30 one by one to see like, oh, I started eating bread and it made me feel like shit, but I didn't do that part of it. So I need to do it again. Okay. Highly recommend whole 30 for anyone looking for like, fun way to mix up their diet you can still eat french fries as long as they're not like dog shit but you can air fry yourself some french fries that was my main snack and i lost a lot of weight and had a lot of fun interesting yeah i might actually look into that too i did the dry january this year so that's probably going to be a a natural progression uh at some point for me so that uh sounds like uh, some you know uh, a fun little thing that i could mix in here but uh here we are swerving on and off the rails but uh it's a nice kind of discussion uh driven thursday night pod we like to uh mix it up a little bit on these but uh I guess, uh, like I said before, everyone but Siege Batman just completely drives off the road here because of uh, us driving ourselves off the rails. Uh, the world of the Ravens has been, uh, you know, interesting to say the least in the last uh, week or so since we talked. Quite tumultuous. I believe where we left off, the Ravens were, you know, sniffing around a couple different situations. And that was the day before Juju re-signed with Pittsburgh and... I think, I guess Juju signed on Saturday and then everybody started kind of flipping out and it was like the best of both worlds. Like, okay, the Ravens are trying to invest in the receiver position, but Juju chose to stay in Pittsburgh over the Eagles and the Chiefs and the Ravens. And then now we have digressed into again, T.Y. Hilton, the Ravens offer, they offer Juju one year, I believe $9 million, either, I think it was eight guaranteed or nine guaranteed I think it was nine. I think it was nine guaranteed, then, thirteen total. Yeah, four million dollars in incentives. Who knows what those were? But I, I would imagine probably half of that is reasonably achievable, and the other half might have been like a thousand yards, ten touchdowns, stuff like that. But then T.Y. Hilton, who, uh, and then Sammy Watkins as well, has visited Baltimore, left Baltimore, doesn't have a deal, a bunch of weird stuff going on with fans, Instagram messaging him, whatever, and him basically saying like, "Yes, I'm coming to the Ravens." Blah 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 blah. And T.Y. Hilton stays in Indy, taking a one-year $8 million guaranteed incentives up to $10 million deal over the Ravens reportedly offering him uh, three years, $16 million. And that has now been spun into that, oh, Juju and T.Y. Hilton both would rather play for not the Ravens because the Ravens passing game sucks. So that's why they did what they did. And it's like, okay, yes, that's why, because the Ravens suck and nobody wants to play for the Ravens. And that's always been the thing. And free agents hate the Ravens and yada, 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 Greg Roman, something, something, Lamar Jackson, something, something, not good enough, yada, yada, yada. 
Yeah, just a real who's who and what's what of shitty, lazy takes that uh, really get my blood boiling, if we're being quite honest. Uh, the whole juju thing, like, I like, I don't know. Like, of, he, of the course, Chiefs offered more money. Yeah, the Chiefs offered more money, and he chose to stay in Pittsburgh. That tells you all you need to know about Juju, which God respect the guy for being loyal to the team that drafted him. He does seem like a good guy off the field and uh, a good guy who is going to want to coo. Do you want to know something I don't know if I said on this podcast? I'm going to cut you off that pisses me off that I just remembered is that I even, you know, we know how much Jake and I, we are not big fans of Patrick Mahomes or the Chiefs on the football field. And I bet one of my good friends, Mr. Maxwell Greenberg, $100 to win $200 that Patrick Mahomes would throw at least 40 touchdowns. And that son of a bitch threw 39 touchdowns in my face. It cost me $100. Was that last year? Last year. At the beginning of last season, I was saying how bad, my friend was saying, he's like, I don't know. I don't think the Chiefs are going to be that great. Mahomes isn't that great. I was like, he's throwing 40 touchdowns guaranteed. And he threw 39 touchdowns in my face. That's kind of funny. That almost makes me almost like him, but I still don't. I think it was 39. It was at least 38. Okay. Well, <laughs> yeah. I mean, that's a thing. And uh, like, I don't know, like that, that's a, a thing in and of itself where you got the Ravens like going 38, after, 38, pardon me. He was too shy. So, so yeah, didn't play the last game. Of course you got the Ravens going after Juju to be like their alpha dog. Like I, I hate the term like number one receiver, but that's ideally kind of what you're talking about where he's going to take attention away from Hollywood, allow Hollywood to be that prototypical number two. And he's kind of that space eating sort of X receiver type of thing. It's another term that I think is kind of getting butchered recently, but you got them doing that for him to be that for them. And then you've got the chiefs who are like, you know, you got Miko Hardman and Sammy or, and um, Tyreek Hill in the mix and Travis Kelsey. And they're, they're going after Juju to be like their third receiver. And it's like, kind of shows a little bit of a, uh, you know, kind of a, a discrepancy in philosophy with some of these organizations. But of course he chooses to go, to go back to uh, old fig jam and the Steelers where uh, the corpse of Ben Roethlisberger, you know, we'll see how that works out. Everyone talking about how, Oh yeah, like why would they want to go play with Lamar Jackson? He can't throw you the running back. And then, oh, Greg Roman passing contest. Oh yeah, why would they want to go there? Yeah, enjoy playing with fucking you know John Wayne Roethlisberger. Hey, T. Y. Hilton, enjoy playing with the corpse of fucking Carson Wentz. Have fun. You know, go win six games. That's gonna be really great for you. I hope you're really prolific. I hope you make a ton of money next free agency cycle, where you then sign with the New York fucking Giants, who are selling off assets like they're fucking Michael Jackson. Or buying assets, I should say. Maybe that didn't really work. I was just trying to use an Ari Gold quote there. It hit hard. It didn't totally fit, but I had to use it. I'll be I'll be the Babs Miller here. I'll uh, I'll bring it back. Bring it back easy, easy Ari, easy. <sighs> Babs, it's like all right. Lose my edge. It's all right. T. Y. Hilton wants to stay with the Colts where he's been for. I for the record, decade. I did. I wanted nothing to do with T. Y. Hilton. It's just no, like this whole thing where he comes out today on Pat McAfee and he's talking about. Oh, yeah, well, you know, they they offered me more money. It's like, first of all, why do you have to say that? Second of all, it's not true if you look at the actual deals. He got offered $5 million a year from the Ravens. It's chump change. And sure, I mean, maybe it is true. Maybe it is all true and great. And guess fucking what? You can draft receivers. You can draft them in the first round. You can trade for them. You can do anything. Anything. The only, I think the only two receivers that really would have filled what the Ravens are looking for and need are Corey Davis and Kenny Galladay. I think those are the only two out of this draft cycle that would have been filling that role of the contested catch, physical, big target that can work over the middle and handle a pretty heavy volume. And I like the idea of Kenny Galladay. Sure, yes, I did. But let me know if Kenny Galladay is playing worth $21.5 million next year and the year after because he's probably not going to be. 
And it's, that's the whole conversation that we've always gotten back to. We've gone off the rails this off season because it's been a tough one, tough free agency period, all the rumors and all the bullshit and all the whatever. But ultimately, when you pay someone $20 million in free agency, how often, aside from quarterbacks especially, how often do you get value on that return? Very seldom do you get value. Was it, oh, we signed someone for top of the market money and it was worth it. We gained on that investment. Not that often. At the same time, they have a need, yes, but this is still the essential receiving core of a team that won a playoff game, went to the playoffs three years in a row. It's the same kind of shit. So it's not like they're, they're not going to be able to do, they're going to be an embarrassment in the end. Like that's where it's gotten to. It's like the Ravens this is are basically where... an embarrassment if they don't sign a receiver. They're not going to be a competitive football team. And that's not the case. They just need to go, they're looking for something to take them over the top, not for something to make them competitive. This is where there are some whiffs of me strapping my Kevlar on today because I'm getting fucking, I'm getting a little miffed right now. All this stuff about, oh, they don't want to go, they offered us more money, but I didn't want to go there. I'm not going to catch any passes there, right? You know? Yeah, you know, they got a good thing going, but I'm going to go play with Carson Wentz, and I'm going to go back to old Fig Jam Roethlisberger, and I'm just going to have myself a grand old time, and everyone on Twitter is going to have a grand old time, you know, sitting up in their ivory tower, sniping down at them because, oh, what a terrible outfit that only won 11 games in a playoff game last year. They're never going to get it done. You know what? I'm fucking tired of it. Self-pity chaps my ass in the word of the great Brian Billick. I'm done with the self-pity party bullshit that's been going on. I've been done with it. I was done with it before it started, but now it's gotten to, you know, a, a, a completely just untenable level. I am done with it. I am done crying and whining in my motherfucking cornflakes because they're probably going to make a move between now and the draft. And if they don't, they're probably going to draft a guy and they're probably going to be fine. And they're probably going to win between 10 and 12 games. And from there, do what you got to do. I mean, figure it out. I guess the concern obviously is that they needed to get a veteran presence at receiver that's going to help them advance in the playoffs. Maybe that won't happen again in a, in a year's time. We're going to be having the same conversation, but for right now, I just think we're getting to threat level midnight with all this stuff about how the Ravens are just a sinking fucking ship because they're not, I'm tired of it. I'm tired of it all. I'm just angry. You know, just the whole notion that I just don't, I just don't understand the whole notion that a receiver needs to have like, no receiver needs to come to Baltimore and have a thousand yards. That's not what's needed. That's not what's expected. Few have. Few have. And, you know, Anquan Bolden, the best receiver in Ravens history, didn't eclipse a thousand yards, didn't come that close. He had 921 in 2012 on 65 receptions. Anquan Bolden had 64 receptions, 57 receptions, and 65 receptions, and was the Ravens' leader in receptions, I believe, each of those three seasons, if I'm not mistaken. That's all they need. They just need someone to come catch 60 passes and be a fucking big boy, be a grown man on the boundary. That's all they need. And it's just such a laughable notion that they can't pay someone to come do that for them. That is, you know, a 28-year-old receiver, 29-year-old receiver to come catch 60 balls and win when asked to and be a, a third horse on the outside. It's like, I, I don't know. None of those guys, like Kenny Galladay, the people are acting basically like Kenny Galladay shot the Ravens down. The Ravens never made an offer. Kenny Galladay never visited. He was in New York that entire time. And the Kenny Galladay's agent was probably using that for leverage. Kenny Galladay hasn't caught more than 70 passes in a season. And who's he going to play with and play for? The Giants. And they're not some fucking 
category five hurricane of an offense like and it's like all due respect to daniel jones but like i'm not going to be surprised in the slightest if in a year from now we're seeing an Allen robinson situation with kenny galladay where he's like I, i'm talking to my agent and i'm trying to get out of here because this did not work out and he might have 400 be happy because guess what he's getting fucking paid and listen he's getting paid and he might have 400 more yards and a couple more touchdowns and if that's good enough for you to win seven games or whatever it's going to be then god bless you that's all i'm saying receivers often I and I hate to be meathead fan boil it down to all that stuff but at a certain point like I just got to strap on my fucking guns and my headband and turn into John Rambo because I'm ready to go to fucking war I don't know why there's not a selling point of hey we're looking to improve our like no one's ever said that this perspective of it which I feel like is the pitch that you make if you're the Ravens trying to bring in a receiver hey we're looking to improve our pass offense we got Zeitler we or tried to shore up our offensive line we feel like we're one piece away you are that piece. We want to pay you a lot of money to be that piece. We have gone to the playoffs three straight years. We have struggled to be able to pass the ball well enough because we are missing you. You are the missing link and you are going to help us win a Super Bowl. Doesn't that sound pretty fucking good? Get paid, be the, the missing link and take the offense over top. Isn't that like what you want to hear? Isn't, isn't, that, that, what you, isn't that what you want to do as a player? Like Baker Mayfield talking about how he wanted to go to the Browns because he wanted to be the guy after all those years that's going to turn them around. And obviously you're talking about something on a much smaller scale and not quite to the degree that the of the misery that the Browns were facing. But don't you want to be that guy? Like, I, I don't know. And like maybe not if you're going with competing offers for the team that you're leaving and you could stay with them. So in the case of Juju or T.Y. Hilton, I get it. And it doesn't really sound like they were in on Galladay. But just in a hypothetical scenario, like I just don't buy this narrative that, you know, the Ravens are this poverty franchise when it comes to passing the football. And like free agents would never want to come to uh, to Baltimore. It, it, do, it, doesn't, it doesn't totally hold water for your boy over here. And I'm definitely guilty of it to an extent, but it's like acting like this organization is such a shitty organization that is so incompetent because they have not been able to find an absolute stud wide receiver in a trade or in free agency. When realistically, Galladay is the only one that is like a stand-up blowout receiver. And maybe I might even throw Will Fuller in there because when he's healthy, he's fucking dynamite. But it's like Juju is not going to be some fucking all-pro receiver. We're not talking about all pro guys. We're talking about a good, above-average type of receivers. Like Corey Davis was in many metrics a a top 10 receiver. He's not a top 10 receiver. He's a good receiver. He's a top 30, 40 receiver in the NFL. Like I'm not, there's, I can list many guys I'm taking over Corey Davis, 15 guys. He would have fit very well, yes. But it's not like they're, they can't get these superstars. It's not like there's these superstars everywhere. And it's like, there might've been two guys that could have taken the Ravens and made them into a more complete passing offense that would have taken them further. And one of them, they didn't make it, they didn't offer either of them. So I, I I don't know I don't know it's which just is where I overblown that like this organization is not incompetent which They're is where well. yeah which is where I think I'm maybe arriving at a point where them being inactive and like I was probably against this for a while and maybe probably still am to agree to a degree but them being inactive and taking that PR hit and me having to wallow in my misery maybe that's worth it for them not to have to just completely break the bank for a guy who you know like Juju who's probably. Like you said, not going to be an all pro. Like he would have been good. I would have really liked Juju, but it just, I don't know. Like at a certain point, like they probably are doing the smart thing and making the right decision. And I am an impatient fan. I would like to see them finally fix a problem position that I think they have problems at due to some philosophical issues uh, that they need to fix. I think they need to get better about valuing the receiver position, but 
I think this uh, this tenor, this tidal wave that is starting to started to rise. They have bad juju at the receiver position. I'm sorry. They have bad juju, like bad vibes, bad spirits at the receiver position. There's been this haunting, fucking dramatic bullshit of the receiver position, really ever since Anquan Bolden left and before Anquan Bolden. Like they had Derek Mason, and Derek Mason was outstanding in every possible way, but they needed someone other than Derek Mason. Couldn't get that. They draft Mark Clayton. He doesn't turn out well. They draft Rashad Perryman. He's a fucking, you know, not a first, should never have been drafted in the first round. Was drafted in a bum receiver class where it was Amari Cooper and... That kid from WVU. Kevin White and I think there was one other productive receiver. Devontae Parker was... Parker, and there might have been one more than that. There might have been three in that entire draft class. And they draft Hollywood. He's a first receiver off the board. And he is like... It just hasn't fully clicked with him and Lamar. And I blame Lamar a lot more than I think a lot of people are willing to. And I blame the pass protection a lot more than I think a lot of the people are willing to. But Greg Roman is always the easiest scapegoat. And it's all Greg Roman. And Greg Roman got fired in Buffalo. And Greg Roman got fired in San Francisco. And it's like, all right, how long did Jim Jim Harbaugh last after Greg Roman was fired? And how much internal strife was going on with Jim Harbaugh? How long did Rex Ryan last after Greg Roman was fired? You want to talk about internal strife? I mean, Rex Ryan. Greg Roman was fired in Buffalo after a 37-31 loss to the Jets. Tyrod Taylor threw for 300 yards and three touchdowns, and they fired Greg Roman the next day. (laughs) Well, that's not a goat, kind of, but scapegoat. That's a fucking scapegoat. That was pretty good. Scapegoat. That is a fucking scapegoat. Greg Roman scapegoated yet again. And it's like, why are we blaming? Greg Roman is what he is. He's a masterful offensive uh, run coordinator, run designer, run game fucking genius. That is what he is. His pass game is an efficient pass game that is not the most complex. It is not the most, you know, best advanced, you know, Tom Brady fucking pre-snap shit. He has problems getting getting the team. He's consistently had problems in San Francisco, Buffalo, and Baltimore getting those offenses to the line of scrimmage to execute his complicated motion shit before the line. That has been a recurring problem. I went back and did some deep diving on that. The 49ers were dead last in the NFL in delay of games, and then they were like seventh, the second, or third, tied for third the following year. Um, So that's been an issue. But Greg Roman is what Greg Roman is. He is a masterful run game coordinator. That's why, you know, bringing in Keith Williams and bringing in T. Martin and bringing these guys in and, and after David Culley kind of splitting it open and they clearly are looking around receivers. Clearly they're trying to expand here, but it's like, you know what Greg Roman is. So why are you mad when he's not something that he's not? Why what, are you mad? What yeah. is your solution? And like, you can't be mad at like these receivers if you're the front office when they're not what, you know, you, you kind of gambled on a little bit. You gambled on Miles Boykin and it didn't work out. Like you they can't get- even really well, I guess this past year they did. They they expect they. That's what I'm saying. Like potential. You, you drafted him in right. third round. It's reasonable to expect that one year of development. And they gambled, and I agreed with the gamble that it's like, all right, you got to. We were excited for Miles Boyd we, last we, year. Absolutely, we absolutely were. We uh, we loved what we saw from him in camp the previous year, and it was like, you know what, this guy, like it's it's worth a shot, and it didn't work out, and you can't get mad at him for that. But like at a certain point, it's time to time to fix it. But also like the the freaking out about. All the the you know the fact that they have to get this one guy. It's like there's there's options out there. You know, we all want the Ravens to improve. Of course, we want them to get to the AFC Championship. We want them to get to the Super Bowl. Of course, every fan, every analyst, every fucking whatever writer, host, whatever of every team wants that team to go to the Super Bowl. The unfortunate reality is that unless your name is Tom Brady, you're not consistently going. A couple guys have some stretches. Russell Wilson goes to back to back. He hasn't fucking sniffed a championship game since then. 
Uh, am I mistaken there? I think he's been in a couple of championships, right? Maybe one championship game, but hasn't been back to the Super Bowl. Like, it is very difficult. The Ravens are still overall in a good place. It's just frustrating because it feels like they haven't been able to make the right moves to take them over the top. And they play this patient, conservative, frugal game of comp picks and value signings and saving money. And it's just frustrating because it's, you know, penny. It's like you're. I think to our point there is like, that's fine every year. But it feels like, and this is the whole elephant in the room of it, is it feels like we're approaching the end of an era, which is the first sort of wave of the Lamar Jackson era. Lamar Jackson being cheap. Right. It feels like you're kind of transitioning pretty soon into that next era where he's going to be expensive. And it feels like if you want to do the comp pick game and like we're going to be, you know, we're we're right player, right place, right price, wonderful company at a fair price, like that's all, that's fine. That makes total sense. But just in a year like this, and especially with the COVID numbers and the cap being wonky, like, Kind of felt like there was an opportunity there and, you know, maybe like you could have capitalized on that a little bit. But I guess like my point is like I'm frustrated that they haven't done that yet, but like I'm also getting frustrated at the reaction to their inactivity. I think it's a little overboard at this point and I'm just... They should have paid Marvin Jones $7 million a year. That's like him, Corey Davis, like I I get that was a little more expensive. Marvin Jones especially, a guy who's posted nine touchdowns in three of the last four seasons with a six touchdown season and is a better veteran receiver than you've had, you know, I don't, I wouldn't say he's better than Hollywood as a receiver. They're two different guys, but a better veteran presence than you've had in a while. And the Jaguars got him for $4 million a fucking year. And you didn't, and they're doing that. And you're cutting LJ Fort for like almost that money. And like, what, why did you do that? You know? And you know, we don't hear any reports. They're not in on him. They're not in whatever, but it's what we've been talking about as long, as long as this podcast has been a thing. As long as you and I have been doing this, it's, you know, I guess basically we took it over. The 2019 season happened. There were questions there. It went really well. Since that Titans loss, we've been talking about it. 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 We've been talking about it for over a year now. It's tiring. We're beat up. We're sick of it. We're tired. We already had this sort of cathartic episode, and now it's it's not even cathartic anymore. It's just aggravation, frustration. And aggravation. We want, we want emancipation from that aggravation and frustration, but we're at the mercy of one Eric DaCosta. Who, like I said, like it's frustrating. And like I, I've said my piece on all the ways that I think they could have done things differently up to this point. But I don't know. At a certain point, like I'm just sitting back and I'm waiting. And like maybe that doesn't make for great content, but. I think uh, maybe a trade's going to be in the offing. Maybe something's going to happen. I think they're going to hit it hard in the draft regardless. So I think at a certain point, like all the, all just like the pity party amongst the fan base, it, it grates on me. And then the sneering kind of like other fan base is like, oh, the, nobody wants to go play for the Ravens. Uh, yeah, Lamar can't throw. It's, I don't know. It's just like every, like the dialogue around the Ravens always seems to be a little different when other teams are talking about them, as opposed to other quarterbacks who probably could deserve you know, maybe a little more. It's just something about Lamar Jackson. Just something, something about, about him. Lamar you know? Jackson has just caused some sort of really weird dialogue when talking about the Baltimore Ravens for a long time. We brought it up. He's probably the most polarizing player in football. We're going on 15 years of this because with the guy before him, it was the E word. And it's like, why can't we just have a normal quarterback that's like good and like nobody has to freak out over him one way? Like, or the is this other. what happens with fucking Matt Ryan? No, like, nobody. Fu- <laughs> I guess ba- I guess Baker has a lot of it, but Baker, I guess Josh yeah. Allen had a lot of it too. He did. Josh yeah. Allen last off season, there was a whole 
you know, they got Stefan Diggs. He's not going to be able to hit him deep. And like, I kind of subscribe to that logic. And guess what? Josh Allen didn't hit him deep. He hit him intermediate. He was hitting him fucking over the middle of the field, 15, 17 yards, because Josh Allen is a better intermediate thrower than he is deep thrower, whatever, whole other conversation. But it's like, I guess it's that whole quarterback class. It's like Rosen was this fucking hot shot douche who all the other teams are going to regret, you know, three teams are going to regret passing. By the way, just an all time weird visual too. He had like the really red face and the hat was kind of like on the back of his head. It's like, what's going on, Josh? Uh, He's a little hot tub in the dorm, little fuck face. And then it's Baker is like waved a flag around and like grabbed his dick once and And got arrested him. Got arrested once, so that makes him did a shot. underwear photo shoot with and the then Tigers. He has a weird career. He's rookie of the year, shatters the, or I guess not shatters. Well, he wasn't rookie of the year. But. Uh, breaks the rookie touchdown passing record and then has a really shitty second year under Freddie Kitchens. It was his preference because for some reason, teams are hiring head coaches based on their rookie quarterback say so. And then Josh Allen is like a whirlwind of a mess as a rookie, turns into like a whirlwind of a fun mess as a sophomore, and then turns into... Lamar Jackson in his third season being an MVP caliber player. And then Lamar Jackson had a weird year this past year where he wasn't good enough. And that's what I think a lot of people don't want to talk about as Ravens fans. A lot of, a lot of people put too much, but either put too much blame on him or none at all. And pass protection was way worse. The Ravens went from being pressured the seventh few, or excuse me, the 22nd most. So in Number one means worse. 22nd, you're far away from number one. 30% of the time there, he was pressured. Then in 2020, that number jumps up. The Ravens were pressured the seventh most in the NFL. Their pass blocking was shit. They didn't replace Marshall Yonda. And guess what? Lamar Jackson missed a lot of throws. He was off. He missed Hollywood Brown two times against the Chiefs. He fucked up throws against the Titans multiple times and against the Titans in the po- in the initial playoff game until the, until the scramble, and then he starts hitting stuff underneath. And it's like... He is not absolved of all blame. And somehow John Harbaugh has also created this vacuum that he lives in where he is absolved of all blame. It is all Greg Roman's fault. It is all, it's not while, simul- while simultaneously getting to get up on his bully pulpit on the end of season press conference to talk about, oh, wide receivers, if you don't want to come here and come win, which like, John, you're my guy. And like, I hey, generally, T.Y. Hilton, you don't chew big red. Well, fuck you. Yeah. And it's like, I generally agree with that. But why do you got to fucking paint that target on your back? Like, can we manage this PR situation? We're talking about Formula One Can't and the politics of it all. So like, much more. They are the East and West Coast version of each other. Pete Carroll is more sunshine and claps and chewing gum. Chewing Chewing gum and, and walking around a swat, like swaggy bopping with his white New Balances on. And his and, hair flowing. And John Harbaugh is a little bit more, you know, pastor, preacher, like giving the sermon and, and laying down the law a little bit. But lo and behold, they're two stubborn sons of bitches that have competitive teams every year and both love running the fucking football. I'll tell you that much. And maybe Harbaugh is way bigger into the analytics and those sorts of things. And Pete Carroll is, is like, both of those are the executive type guys, but it feels like Pete Carroll gets a lot of blame. John Harbaugh it's like all these Ravens fans, everybody wants to talk. The mailbags are full. Greg Roman this, Greg Roman that. At the end of the day, it's John Harbaugh as the head coach. Where is his blame? Where is his share of the pie? It's it's not there. And it's like, okay, so yet again, like what? Do you, are you going to, everyone's going to expect, this is what I feel like is going to happen. This is going to be my dark down free agency weird period prediction is that the Ravens aren't so hot next year to start. They start to look more like a John Harbaugh team in the Flacco era where maybe they have a hot start and then they lose more games, kind of like how they did last year, and they fire Greg Roman. He is blamed as the scapegoat, and the Ravens sneak into the playoffs again at 10-6, and 
And, you know, don't make some Cam Cameron fired Jim Caldwell Super Bowl run, but there is a Greg Roman scapegoat firing coming. I can feel it. I can smell it. I can sense it. And it is going to be equal parts. Eric Costa not making moves. John Harbaugh not identifying problems early enough. Greg Roman being what Greg Roman is and not what he's not, God forbid. And maybe, you know, Lamar Jackson not having the right weapons and not having enough talent or money spent on the offensive side of the football. And it's going to get all blamed on a midseason firing of Greg Roman. That is my prediction. And I kind of fucking hope it happens. I kind of wish they would fire Greg Roman today because as I've been doing this podcast, as I've been talking about it, my objective perspective is always different. And that's not how I feel in my brain, but in my heart right now, I'm sick of talking about Greg Roman. I want them to trade for a receiver. I want them to fire Greg Roman because I don't want to talk about it anymore. And I think you're right on there with John, who, like I said, I love, I think we both do. But there's got to be a little bit of like a, you got to open the feedback loop a little bit. It can't just be like, oh, we're just, it's us against the world every time. And like every, every situation we have to apply that. It's like, dude, like that works fine. And that's great when you're like five and five and you need to rally the fucking troops and like win one for the gaffer. But like, like when it's been to the playoffs the last three years. Yeah. And that's great. And it's like, but when it comes to the off season and somebody in a press conference asks you about like maybe like going and getting a free agent wide receiver and like maybe having to overspend a little bit. Maybe you don't have to pull the megaphone out and scream like these, you know. Fuck you. Yeah, you don't have to, you know, be Toto Wolf saying fuck you to Netflix, like talking about like his second driver. Like you don't need to like do that. Like it's just not necessary. Like just have an open mind and like an open dialogue with yourself about, all right, what are our problems? Problems are the passing game. Is that on Greg Roman? Maybe a little bit, but that's just kind of who he is. How do we fix that? Talk to him. Figure something out, but also improve the personnel. How do we do that? It just feels like it's just kind of like this us against the world closed feedback loop where it's just like, you know, no, we're good. We're fine. We're fine. It's like, no, dude, like you're not fine. Like you got to make some improvements here. Let's a little proactivity, you know? I agree. In the end, you know, that stuff probably impacts fans more than it impacts a T.Y. Hilton or a Juju or whatever, but it's just this tired, tired narrative. And I guess we're kind of contributing to it now at this point. And I don't know. I don't know where else to be. I don't know where else to talk. I don't know where else to think, but I'm, I'm tired of it. I'm tired of it. It just feels like at this point now, the national media is latching on to these narratives and it's like, can you just shut everybody up? Can you just sign someone to shut everybody up? Can you just trade for someone to shut everybody up? What do the Cowboys want for Michael Gallup? A second round pick? Fucking do it. Give him a first round pick. Like, yeah, sure. That's honestly fine. Do something. Trade something. Trade someone. Do it. I'm tired of it. Just do it. Do it. it just feels like just feels like a glacier. It just it's just inching along, you know. Got to do something. Got to got to make a it's move. It's been here. so long and so tired and it's I'm tired. I'm beat up. I'm tired. It's uh gotten the best of me. You I, got the best of me. At this point, what do you what what is the, I mean, I the part that we haven't brought in is Sammy Watkins, and yeah, Sammy Watkins is probably going to be a Raven by the time this podcast comes out. Actually, excuse me, by the time our second podcast comes out, I think somewhere between Friday, it might it might even be by tomorrow. Who knows? It might be by tomorrow, Friday, Saturday, Sunday, whatever. I feel like Sammy Watkins is going to be a Raven. I it's fine, I get it, but it's like. That's not enough. That's not the move. That's not what everyone's talking about. That's not the issue. The issue isn't having Sammy Watkins who can kind of run some routes over the middle. To me, that feels act. like it. Like Willie Sneed is visiting the Raiders today. That feels like Willie Sneed leaves. Willie Sneed walks in the door. And that's like. In ways, in ways. 
they're not terribly dissimilar at this point in Sammy Watkins' career and what at least what the Chiefs were asking him to do, which is work the middle of the field a bunch and And that's like a, not a that's not I'm not that's not a shot. Like I loved Willie Sneed and what he brought, and like I think Sammy Watkins could be like a decent sign. You're not taking a step, you're not taking the step to move forward, to get better, to be over the hump, to make that super. You what you are downgrading in durability. And that's another aspect. It's I mean you know, causation isn't correlation, whatever. Maybe the Ravens have the best training staff in the world. I don't care, but. Well, <laughs> maybe not the smartest training staff in the world. Maybe not that. the smartest training staff. Well, we know that. We certainly know that in terms of uh, decisions and throwing caution to the wind and saying basically, fuck you to this entire organization, whatever. We're, we're past that. But Sammy Watkins is not going to be the missing link. He might prevent the Ravens from finding the missing link by saying, okay, we got a veteran that, you know, has had, he was a top five pick eight years ago, and he's a guy who's played in Super Bowls. Like, I like all of that, but you still need to go get someone else. And then guess what? You might have a really good receiver room. If you go get Sammy Watkins, and you go draft a Terrace Marshall, or a fucking, I don't even care, Nico Collins, or someone in the third round, don't go get Sammy Watkins and then say, I'm done, we're done, we're good enough, that's good enough. Because guess what? Sammy Watkins, we were talking about it. What's the over-under on how many games he played? I'm going seven. I'm going seven games, maybe 11, maybe 12. Maybe you get 15 out of him. Who knows? But you don't know. Then guess what? What are the odds? There's a sign that hangs over Ozzie Newsom's uh, desk in his office, I believe, that says the best indicator of future behavior is past behavior. And that's a different conversation. The best ability is available. And that's a different conversation for health, obviously, but kind of not really, though. Like, you know. You are what you are until you show me otherwise. So betting on someone to do something that they've consistently not done, which is stay healthy for six years, uh, is is not the best. And he doesn't. It's not like he tears his ACL every other year and you know misses two seasons at a time. Like but you'd he, almost you'd almost rather it be that he usually plays. He usually plays a few games and has a couple big games. But overall, don't let Sammy Watkins be the move that precludes you from getting another receiver. And the odds of let's let's isolate Sammy Watkins from that, but the odds of Miles Boykin, Devin Duvernay, James Prochet, and Hollywood Brown all playing 16 games, pretty low. One of those guys is gonna miss some time, maybe two of those guys miss some time, and then you're counting on Sammy Watkins to be healthy, and then you're behind the fucking eight ball. So And another like throwback reference there is like it reminds me of when they traded Bolden and like I forget who said it or like if they if it was even the organization that said it. Maybe it was just media, but they were like, well, Dennis Pitta was going to be our Anquan Bolden. It's like, well, who's supposed to be Dennis Pitta then? Right. Like you got to like consider the depth. Like you love depth so much, like consider depth in the receiving core. And it's like if Mark Andrews is going to be like one of our top wide receivers, well, who's your top tight end? And it's gotten to the point where it's like, well, the Ravens signed Deion Kane and James, and then there's James Prochet. And it's like, okay, maybe one of those guys turns out really well. James Crochet is turning into a hot button topic, which is kind of sick. That would be fantastic. If one of those guys panned out really well, Deion Kane, a big body guy on the outside, whatever, was supposed to be Indy's number two to T.Y. Hilton, tears his ACL a couple of years ago. But it would be a nice bonus to drafting a receiver high or making a trade for a Michael Gallup or an Adam Thielen or any fucking veteran receiver that is still remotely relevant and not consistently injured or past their prime. Uh, as opposed to not doing that, signing Sammy Watkins and having a bunch of inexperienced receivers basically outside of Hollywood and guys that you can't count on. I'm not, I, it's a nice bonus if one of those guys pans out and then guess what? You have too many good receivers instead of not enough guys who can play. 
And that's a fantastic problem to have. Overcompensate. That's what we've been saying. And ahead, I'm getting back to the same points that I've already made at the beginning of this offseason. Lamar's going to sign an extension probably this time next year. That feels like a very strong likelihood. Get him in a fucking vacuum. Give him the receiver. Give him the line and see what happens. See what he's worth in that sense. We know what he's worth without those things. And I think it's quite a lot. I think it's quite a lot without, you know, a great offensive line. He didn't have one this past year without a great receiving core. He didn't have one this past year or really the year before he had Hayden Hurst as well, which was a nice receiver. And I think Seth Roberts was a nice piece. And I would have loved a Chris Conley type to be a Seth Roberts type, to be a kind of competent veteran receiver, but don't have that. Sammy Watkins is not the answer. Seth Roberts is not the answer. And you need to put Lamar in a vacuum. You need to figure out what you have. You need to figure out what you can be. And they're not making those moves. The definition of insanity, Albert Einstein, who didn't even actually say it, doing the same thing over and over and expecting a different result. If you just, if you're happy getting to the playoffs, I'm happy every time they make the playoffs, I'm really happy. And I'm really happy that I've been fortunate enough to watch Baltimore Ravens playoff football each of the last three years after a tough stretch where they didn't play any for a couple of years, which was disappointing. I'm not rooting for the Detroit Lions. I'm not rooting for the Cincinnati Bengals who don't go through those things. But what are we doing here, man? Like, make a fucking move. It's just like, why is it? It's just like the confidence for them to do that. It's just like the question comes back to philosophy, which Voss talks about a lot. And it's just like, why is it so cataclysmic to like the idea that you're just going to upgrade your receiving core? Like, why is it so crazy that like every year we're having this conversation or like, why is it so crazy to them that they can't do that? And then every year we're sitting here once again. And you touched on the point about, you know, it's great to watch this team. And like, I don't want to sound spoiled. And, I hope I don't come across that way. I don't think you come across that way at all. It's just like there's some some very, you know, some questions out there that seem like they have some pretty obvious answers that they just don't seem interested in even discussing. And it's just like, why can't we just have the discussion about like maybe it's time to change the philosophy a little bit in regards to the wide receiver position? Like, why can't we have that conversation? Why does it have to be this batten down the hatches like we're fine? Like everything's fine. Like Maybe this is all in vain because if the if the philo- if the philosophy is we don't want to overpay for one in free agency, we like to draft them, and they go draft one in the first round, everyone will shut up. Yeah, and if they and if they're good, they will shut up because if they don't, then like that's another issue that you're kind of you're kind of towing the line on where it's like they them their ability to draft them is also kind of in question a little bit, which is where the whole conversation about why can't you just go get one in free agency like a veteran, like why can't you just do that. And like I, I, I saw a clip from Sam Monson today. I think Garnett, a friend of the show, was tweeting it out about how, like, the, it just it eliminates that uncertainty if you just go and get a professional and bring him into the room. And it's just like, even if you, you know do what dra- you're getting for the most part, even if you do draft a guy, like that's great. But like, even if he's a first rounder, there's still some uncertainty. You know, like you, like not to say the guy's going to be a bust necessarily, but it might take some time to transition. And like that's what he talks about with he mentioned the Browns as an example. If they just they knew like Baker Mayfield was good to begin with. Then he had a tough, you know, down year. And then after that, they just threw everything into the offense, offensive line receivers. They had already kind of made those moves prior to even Baker getting there. tight ends. They just got everything they needed. And Baker had a good year. The bills, the Josh Allen thing that you mentioned, all that stuff, offensive line, it's tight like end. Car. It's like Stefan Diggs. Like, it's like, Oh, the brakes aren't working. So I get new brakes. Yeah, it's it's just like oh, like it's like maybe you know what oh, maybe my, my transmission's been giving me issues. I'm gonna get I'm gonna rebuild my transmission. Well, it's like no, I actually I just actually like the gearbox. I, uh, we we're really comfortable with our gearbox, so we're not gonna worry about the brakes this year. Like we're fine, you know. Like no, Gene, the Gene, car stops. Gene, I am telling you, the gearbox is actually insane, and we started out looking like rock stars this past year, and now we are a bunch of fucking wankers, bunch of a fucking t- clowns here. We look like a bunch of wankers. 
we just fucked this one up. It doesn't make it right. I know that, you know, saying we fucked it up. I'm it doesn't make off it too. right. I'm pissed off too. It's going to be my new job making the coffee here. At a certain point, just, you know, <laughs> it, it's, it feels so obvious to everyone, except for the Ravens, it feels like what to do. And it is make a bigger move than T.Y. Hilton, make a bigger move than Sammy Watkins. Maybe overpay a little, but it's not their style. They have their core philosophy, their morals as a franchise that they like the value. And I mean, I was, I, was, I thought I was crazy. Tyus Bowser gets $5 million a year. And back in November, October, when I was starting to say, like, extend Tyus Bowser, extend Tyus Bowser, he's the cheapest one. I was thinking he was a guy who was going to be worth $10 million a year as a really capable cover, slot, edge, off-ball, on-ball, versatile player, especially within the Ravens' defense. And I finally felt uncrazy because PFF comes out and they're like, oh, well, we had Tyus Bowser at $13 million annual average value. We think that's what he's worth on the open market. The Ravens got him for five, and it felt like he didn't really have a ton of competition there. Who knows? Maybe, maybe not, but... I'm sure if someone offered him 10, he's going. And there's value there. There's value in Zeitler. There's value in Wolf. There's value in McPhee. They trade nothing for, you know, a tight end that could end up being a guy who catches maybe 20 passes and has a little vertical aspect. But at some point, like, nickeling and diming is only worthwhile until you make the big purchase. Like, it's like it's like saving, doing coupons your entire life and, and having a savings account and contributing to your 401k your entire life and then dying. You never bought the boat. You never did anything. So what? at one, what point are you going to use what you've been penny-pinching for? The whole value philosophy has not gotten you where you need to go. And causation is not correlation, blah, blah, blah. You want to talk about, you know, I, I'm the first person to say that 10 years ago, the NFL was not the same. The Ravens were not the same. The sport was not the same. The rules were not the same. But History tells you you went and got Anquan Bolden and that made you a lot better football team and you ended up being able to win a Super Bowl because you had a guy like Anquan Bolden on your team. That is a Hall of Fame wide receiver. Top 10 in, in receptions, top 14 in yards, if I'm not mistaken. Top. And you drafted Torrey Smith and you drafted Dennis Pitting. You drafted Ed Dixon. and You signed Jacoby Jones, yeah, like, a speedster to be a, a you know guy that can take the top off aside from Torrey Smith. You know, it's offensive line was good. You signed Matt Burke, I believe. Maybe you maybe traded for him, but... You just you made a lot of moves. You were active to to get to that point that you got to. So maybe maybe the hubris a little bit about like just building it through the draft. Like that's not it, it's not totally the case. You can build through the draft, but you're not going to hit 100 percent of picks. You're not going to have positions in every room on your football team where you have effectively drafted and don't need to go sign players. And maybe Miles Boykin has a breakout. Maybe Devin DuVernay is a fucking 80-catch guy. I don't know. I've seen crazier shit happen. I was looking at, you know, Chris Carter and Heinz Ward and all these other receivers, Reggie Wayne, guys that caught under 30 passes and then caught over 70 passes in their second season. And that has happened. Yeah, I'm mentioning a lot of guys where it happened a long time ago, but it feels like receivers are a lot more pro-ready now at this point. You're kind of getting what you're getting. Hollywood comes in. Gives you what he gave you his rookie year last year, maybe a little more, you know, juice after the catch, confidence on that foot, whatever. But Debo Samuel, AJ Brown, DK Metcalf. I mean, Amari Cook, Amari Cooper is a rookie. Like guys, kind of are what they are at the receiver position. I feel like there's not all like Chase Claypool comes in and has ten touchdowns and is a, a great nine vertical receiver, whatever. Like guys, kind of are what they are. So this whole potential thing, this whole. 
we think we're going to build the position up and get the room right and blah, blah, blah. It's all good and dandy, but like over fucking compensate like you did with the damn run defense last year. Eliminate the uncertainty. You ready for uh, some Twitter questions? Let's do it. Let's stop talking about this. Jonathan Evans, favorite comedian of all time. Who makes me giggle? Joe Coy makes me giggle a lot. Uh, really makes me giggle a lot. His, all, all of his stuff's on Netflix. Dave Chappelle, of course. I'm not a big stand-up guy. Like, I don't really watch stand-up like other people do on Netflix. I want to dive into Dave's catalog because I love Chappelle's show, so he'd be on my list, but I think my answer, another guy with a show, it's a pretty easy one for me, George. Jerry's, I don't, I, I don't know if I've ever watched the Jerry Seinfeld that's the thing. Like I've the, seen the stand-up clips. specials are like kind of. I don't. I, I. It's kind of Mitch a blank Hedberg spot. Was really fun. Yeah, Jerry. Like I. I respect the clean comedians a little bit too. Um, because like I feel like it's kind of easy to go up there and get a little shock jockey and just like throw the curse words out. Like Jerry's kind of a clean comedian. Jim Jim Gaffigan, another guy who's like doesn't I really saw curse Jim a lot. Gaffigan, uh, I believe right around three years ago. He's pretty good. Um, he was really good in person. Bill Burr's obviously I love Bill Burr. I, I saw Bill Burr and I can't remember his opener, but his opener was funnier. Bill Burr is, is I like Bill Burr. He's not my uh, exact cup of tea, but he's a funny, funny guy. There's a lot of guys that are just conducive to other media, and they kind of just use the the stand up thing to get into the industry. Zach Galifianakis always, or uh, Nick Swardson, pardon me. Zach, right. Nick Swardson always cracked me the hell up. Uh, yeah. Nick Swartzen's interesting because he was just kind of like, you talk about guys that are in other stuff. He was just kind of like a bit player in all of these like mid 2000s, like comedies. He's in so much weird stuff. Yeah. He's such a weird human being. Uh, I don't know. I used to watch a lot of Comedy Central, like crappy comedian, like when it was, they just had comedians on like every Friday and Saturday or whatever, every Friday night, I think. Yeah. When I was like 13, I would always watch that stuff. Yeah. Dogs by Nature, for, uh, SB Nation friend, asks, what was the best part of the Browns playoff win over the Steelers? Big Ben crying or Ben Roethlisberger crying? I was in the car for that game, and I just was like, <laughs> every time they scored, I was like, <laughs> and I started seeing the highlights and seeing the snaps and things. And Were we? Just, I think we recorded at some point that night, didn't we? Yeah, that was when I was going down to uh, the Outer Banks. Yeah, and I was like, there's another Big Ben pick and another Big Ben pick. <laughs> that, was, that was sick. It was just such a beautiful disaster of them start somehow miraculously starting 11 and 0. I don't know how that happened. They almost lost to Jeff Driscoll and the Broncos early in that season and just kept skating by by the hair of their nuts over and over again. So that was fun. It was fun. It was good. Uh, Brandon Minnick, uh, I'm assuming he means Diami, but he says Dynamo Brown versus Bateman. I. This is I like Deami Brown a lot. I don't like that people keep saying he only played left wide receiver. I don't think that matters at all. Uh, people keep and we're going to get into the receivers. Oh boy, we're saving those for late in the beatdown big board because I want them to draft one. Hopefully they do. And this is a dynamic receiver class. I've been putting in. I'm already two months deep into notes for receivers. I'm fucking ready. I want to keep getting ready, and I want to have harpoon pinpoint bow and arrow dart precision on this receiver class. And I feel like I've been doing pretty well the last couple of years, but Deami Brown drops a lot of passes. He's a tough son of a bitch as a blocker. He is fast. He has contested catch ability. He stacks really well and he has a good catch radius on him. He's tough. He drops a lot of passes. I see him as a Nelson Aguilar type that can really take the top off, can do some spectacular things for you, but that 
dude drops the football a lot. And Bateman, PFF said Bateman had a 16% drop percentage. I don't know. I went back and checked SIS. He had three drops last year and I think like five the year before, six the year before. It's like he dropped some balls, but you don't ever watch Bateman and you're not like, oh man, he drops the ball. So I like both of those guys a lot. I love, love, love Bateman. Bateman, I don't I don't have anything to say against him as a prospect. He checks every single box for me. He feels kind of like a Justin Jefferson type with maybe a little less swagoo, uh, not doing the gritty or anything, but Bateman, holy shit, man. Double moves, tough over the middle, contested catchability, yards after the catch, can block a little bit, play inside, play outside, has done all of it, has size. Uh, he has like a, I don't know, this is stupid, but like Bateman has his own little insignia, like his own little RB logo. Th- like he just seems like a pro already, man. He just seems like a pro. I, I it might have been Garnet actually that said this as well, but I, I saw a Stevie Johnson comparison that I liked with Bateman. I don't really, I remember Stevie Johnson just being like a random receiver on the Bills who had a thousand yards. He was, re, he was good. Like for, I, like he really flamed out early, but he was I think like, he had, I think he had a 1000 yard year. Super, I don't really remember him. Like what type of receiver he was. He was just like a complete guy. He, he worked out of the slot a lot, but he was like a really good complete receiver. He actually like had a little bit of a rebound with the 49ers too, which was kind of funny. Um, but like when they sucked, yeah, and yeah, like they good. they they were like mediocre. He had like 850 yards or something. Yeah, he was he was yeah, really good for a couple of years, um, which was a, a comparison I found interesting. Because um, like uh, guys like that all the time, it's just like oh, Anquan Bolden, Anquan Bolden, like nobody's Anquan Bolden. Anquan like, Bolden ran a four seven. He was slow, but just dunked on people and stacked and so linebacker playing receiver. Yeah, I got to watch Deami Brown. I have watched Daz Newsom, so I've seen a little bit of him. Deami Brown ran three routes all from the left wide receiver position. I think 98% of his snaps, he was the left boundary wide receiver and it didn't matter. He was so fast. You knew, you know what routes are coming. It was a curl, a post, a slant or go and and really not that many slants. And that son of a bitch still burned people. So opening it up for him a little bit more. I, I, I don't think he is limited just because those are the only routes he ran. I think that's just what uh max system at UNC is. Okay. Rusty, one of two, says you get to start free agency from day one with the knowledge of contracts agreed to so far. Who do you sign? I think we already kind of touched on Marvin Jones as that move. Marvin Jones is so cheap. He's a contested catch guy. He's a boundary guy who can play in the slot. He's a good red zone threat. And he's the type of move where you're not overspending. He's a veteran. You know, the implications are there of of what you're bringing him in for. And you're still not precluded from getting another receiver or, or really rounding out that playmaker group. I think Marvin Jones is the best value of anyone signed so far. Um, Corey Davis, of course. I don't hate Emmanuel Sanders' contract. I think it was six million dollars. So those guys, and then who? I mean, otherwise, what? What has there been? Judon was fourteen million. I'd like. I'd like to have Judon still. I'd like to have Judon and Bowser, and have those be the guys with McPhee and Ferguson rotating in. He follows up with how many bowls of unlimited soup with a rule of one breadstick per bowl of soup can you crush at Olive Garden? I'm not a soup guy, but I am a competitive eating guy. And uh, I, how many bowls of soup? I love soup, but I haven't been to Olive Garden in like a decade, I feel like. Um, Olive Garden, some people hate. I love Olive Garden. I think it's, yeah, I have nothing against it. I just haven't been so there I've since had, high school. I've had some good times at the, the G, the OG. You got the one right on the corner of uh, 140 and what is that one road? Westminster. Yeah, that was the last one. The, the last one I went to, I think, like over like in high school. So this is like over a decade ago still there they always do some crazy deals too like the unlimited pot like 
unlimited take it home, whatever bowl of pasta. I can't remember. I haven't been there in a while, but how many bowls? I'm a big soup guy. I would say probably, but I are, are we saving space for food? I think we're doing this like for a prize. Like I imagine a cash prize. I could, I could probably eat four bowls of soup. Four. You could eat more than four, four bowls of soup. It depends on what kind of soup. So do we have to eat the breadstick with it? That's a good question. I'm going to say no, but you can have a breadstick if you want. I'll go five if I don't have to eat the breadstick. I think I could eat 15 easily bowls of soup. I think I could, ha- I think I could put down. Maybe bowls. it's just the fact that like a lot of the soup I eat is the ones out of the can that are like 3,500 calories and they just like fill me up so quickly. But like if it's like, if we're talking something like that, I can I'm not eat like a lot. broth with like some stuff in it. Like, like not a lot of stuff. Yeah, I could, I could probably do a lot of that. But if we're talking something substantive, like a chowder? I like a nice substantive, substantive soup. I've started to fuck with making soup a lot uh, in the past year. It's kind of introducing myself to like cooking for when I inevitably need to start taking care of myself after I've moved out. So uh, I've started to get into making soup a lot. And I like a nice hearty, nice hearty soup. Number one recommendation. It is. It was Maryland Day yesterday or today? Today. Today is Maryland Day. Happy Maryland Day. Uh, for those listening tomorrow, it was yesterday. So hope you had yourself a nice, what I'm about to recommend is the Maryland Arnold Palmer cream of crab, Maryland crab, combine those into a nice rose with, you know, the, the acidity of the tomato with the kind of tart sweetness of the lemon in the, in the cream. And that is what I like a lot. Mr. Palmer would be proud of you. Uh, Steve Fisher. Is it an overreaction about the wide receivers in FA choosing other teams? Yes. Yeah, I agree. He also follows up with, if I can ask a second cue, me and at Philip Chris 12 did a segment on our pod about players worthy of the all name team. Who's each of your top player for all name team. Appreciate your voices in Ravens football. Thank you. You, you go first. I have to get a clip up. All name team. Is this uh TJ Hushman Zeta is a good one? He's good. Dak Prescott is a great name. Uh, What's his uh Dakota? Rain Dakota is Rain his, Dakota. His Rain Dakota. First Prescott. two names. Yeah. Um Cameron Curl is a good one right now on Washington. Um I always like Takeo Spice. Alge Algie Crumpler is a big one that I like a lot. Um Smoke Monday. If you like, here's my thing with like, how did nobody know that like Tom Brady was going to be a badass quarterback? That's true. That's just a, a strong, crisp, classy name. Ole Miss. Quackadilly Blip. Auburn University. Gullius Boozler. The U. Miskatine Triscuit. University of Michigan. Far Trail Cluggins. University of Arkansas. Blarone. Washington. Cartoons, plural. <laughs> <laughs> is that like a newer one? No. Um, I th- actually, the, I think they did do two. Yeah, because I know the, the first one, I, it's got a, a lot of all-timers in there, too. But uh, <laughs> it's just like e e e Just incredibly racist. Shout out to whoever crashed their car listening to that. Yeah, it, you got to think that... The, the, whoever tuned out and then heard... <laughs> Just like they got to turn it down to like, you know, do whatever and uh, turn it back Hope up. I broke your AirPods, listeners. Hope I broke them. Ah, oh, that's, that's a good question. Um, Brandon Minnick. I've done a bunch of mock simulation. Ajulari is there almost every time. If he's there at 27, do we take him even though receiver is a bigger need? I'd prefer a receiver if a receiver is there. Ajulari is like, I don't know. I feel like I'm too into the group think on him. And I think that I actually am lower than I... I think that I'm lower than I've put out on him, but I like 
don't want to feel stupid, kind of. He, I don't know. He doesn't have any inside counters. He is very rocked up, makes plays against the run. He bullies people in press, kind of, but isn't like, I don't know, he's not like dynamic in space. He can threaten with his get off, but he doesn't have great, like, he has a nice cross chop and he can win the corner, but he's not like dipping people. I don't know. He's he's a weird player. He's a weird player, but he is super young. And I think he was a team captain as a freshman at Georgia, which was a big deal. I don't, I don't think he was the first one in Kirby. Under Kirby Smart, he was the first freshman captain, if I'm not mistaken. Uh, yeah, I don't know. I don't know. Ravens burner. Uh, who did you all have in your final four? Listen, man, I, I'm going to say it. My bracket is busted right now, dude. My bracket's just so busted, man. <laughs> my dude, bracket is busted. Dude, that sister gene is so zany, man. I uh, I don't even remember. I'm so out on college basketball this year. like, And even last year, too. I just, I, man, I'm just not into it these days like I used to be. Um, I, know, I, I know I had three one seeds, which was a big time P move by me. And then I think I have like a four in there. I had Michigan, Gonzaga, Iowa, and oh wow, I still have three. My bracket is pretty bust, but not that. Uh, Arkansas, Arkansas, Arkansas. Okay, I, I I think I deleted the CBS Sports app, so I can't even pull mine up. <laughs> Let's go to another one. Let's I just yeah, I just no one, I, was, like, no one was no one cared. Our brackets are fucking busted, dude. My bracket's so busted. No, I, I got in, I got out. I was tactical with making my bracket because you know you, you got to get that lottery ticket. Jeff Reed, how impactful will the new pass specialist position be on the passing game and the development of Lamar and the young receivers on the roster? Does the position also plan the passing attack? Don't know. To any of those, I don't know the answer to any of those. They've always been kind of really secretive about that, it feels like. Um, Raven's a pretty tight-lipped organization as a whole on things like that, and you kind of get tidbits very occasionally throughout the year here and there about like who's calling what or any anything like that. You kind of have to read between the lines and do a bunch of digging to figure it out. I think that they realized that they needed two people to fill Cully's position, uh, which was kind of became a duality. And I don't know. I don't know if they're drawing up the concepts and helping to install them in the playbook. That would be the most liberal utilization of the position, while the most conservative would be basically just being Greg Roman's second in command of him, you know, delegating the past game responsibilities and communicating. So basically so that Greg Roman doesn't have to have certain meetings with certain positions or coaches and that Keith Williams would be his, his number two. Um, the fact that it is not coordinator and it is specialist might give you a little bit of insight into maybe the fact that he is kind of a number two, but I like those moves as outside guys that don't really have ties to Harbaugh or anyone else on the staff too much. And it felt like they kind of had an objective search of let's get some, some coaches who are used to working with younger players and might be able to kind of help with development along the way. But again, I just don't feel in the end that I think receivers kind of, are what they are a lot more than they used to be. While there's still guys who develop, Boykin's going into year three. Is that really going to be what kicks it into gear? I'm I'm not on that page. I'm willing to be wrong there. I don't know. Yep. Uh, Ravens burner. Uh, if you can only go to one. 
home and one away Ravens game next year. What do you choose? I'd say Chargers home and Vegas away. So I've got them pulled up right now. Home. I'm going to that Chiefs game. Home is Steelers, Browns, Bengals, Chiefs, Colts, Chargers, Packers, Vikings. Away is Steelers, Browns, Bengals, Raiders, Broncos, Bears, Lions, Dolphins. Yeah, uh, I would probably say Chiefs and then either Bears or Raiders for away. I would say Steelers and Raiders because I just I love getting to a Steelers game. I feel like the rivalry is kind of renewing itself a little bit. Yeah. Um, so I would go, and I just don't want to. I, I if they get their dick kicked in by the Chiefs again, which I would predict would happen right now if the season were to start tomorrow, I'm not going to be in attendance for that. It makes I'm me good. kind of insane that I haven't seen the Chiefs in person. Uh, yeah, uh, that's a good it's point. unfair. And last year I unfair god so many so yeah many let's yeah i was gonna say we can maybe like put a put a whatever man it's unfair i uh was really looking forward to maybe being able to go to that monday night game because i had off from sis on monday nights last year and then the season got the kibosh and i uh, didn't get to go so i was pretty upset there i'm the missing element if i go to the ravens chiefs game they will win i'm the missing link so yeah something's missing all right uh wooketh nooketh uh, is a hot dog a sandwich? Yeah. Yes. I'm going to say no. A hot dog is a hot dog, but I don't care either way. Jeez. This is just like a, uh, it's like a Mike and Mike circa like 2009. Like, hey, Mike, we're coming back from uh, our uh, commercial here. We got we're on the Progressive Insurance uh, Subway Fresh Take Hotline here. Uh, coming up next is uh, the Jets quarterback situation with Mark Sanchez. What's going on there? And before that, Mike, is a hot dog a sandwich? Is Die Hard a Christmas movie? Like, we don't, like, are we just trying to fill airtime here? What's going on? Die Hard is a Christmas movie. Yeah, I agree with that. And a hot dog is a sandwich. That's what I got out of that. Yeah, yeah. I mean, I first of all, hot dog. I, I'm not sure when that made its way back into the vernacular, but we have firmly pivoted, pivoted to glizzy uh, on this podcast. So. It's a glizzy. Is a glizzy a sandwich. Uh, Zeke Batman says, so, uh, so, uh, what now? Sign Ryan Kerrigan or Melvin Ingram. Sign Xavier Woods. Xavier Woods. Draft Terrace Marshall, Rashad Bateman, Elijah Moore. Flourish. Just flourish. Get a tackle in there somewhere. Draft or free agency. Uh, find a little little t- little tackle. You know, thirty fifth best tackle, fortieth best tackle, fiftieth best tackle. Swing swing tackle esque. Guy that might be an okay starter. Uh, don't put a ton of value or stock into, but if and when you need one, you have one. Space Ghost, any wide receivers you trade for now or rather take one round one? If so, ideal target at 27. I think the ideal tar- target is Bateman or Marshall. We've talked about that. I have, there, there, I'm just going to say for the record, there's no way that Pitts, Waddle, Smith, and Chase all go in the top. What do we got? I can see the Cardinals taking one. I think they're 12. I think 15 is like their absolute ceiling. I, f- but then like who would have said CD Lamb would be available at 17 last year? No, I agree. I just, who I feel like who would have said that. I feel like that's the outlier though. I could be wrong. They were all supposed to be like top 12 and what so Lamb was supposed to go first Judy out was, of all of them. Judy was 10, 11. He was 15th. I think Judy was 15th, right? So 15 and 17 for those two. And I think that I think I had Lamb as the number one guy last year. Um, then I think that 
this year, probably so far, I'm comfortable saying that like Waddle is probably probably the number one from both year from either year. Chase the number one from either year, uh, and I think Smith is. Smith is a better prospect than Ruggs, and we we loved Ruggs. Yeah. You know how much we loved Ruggs. I think those three guys are all higher prospects than last year, but um, I don't know. Pitts factoring in there, those quarterbacks. Like last year was not a big quarterback year like that, and I think five guys are going in the top fifteen. And then you got to think about Sewell. You got to think about Sertan. You got to think about Parsons and maybe Quiddy Pay or someone like that. Like stranger things have happened, my friend. Stranger things have happened. So. I don't think any of those guys are dropping to 27, but I think they might drop to like 17, 18, 19. One of them. Straight up. Uh, Luke Schreiber. How do you feel about mortgaging the future a little bit and trading for top three wide receiver or pits in the draft? If you can find a stud, the value at first round wide receiver on rookie contracts is better than overpaying for wide receiver one. Then he kind of he fires a little bit of sniper fire at me and says, Jake, don't give me the one in the hand, two in the bush thing that I came back at him and was like, you don't have to tell me. And then he kind of came at you and just fired an absolute rifle in your direction saying that you're addicted to having one in the hand. I was like, I, I'm not really sure either of us are that. I don't know what that even means. Um, I like, <laughs> I'm at what having a, having what, what in this situation, what is one in the hand? Draft pick? pick. Yeah. To me, a pick is one of the two in the bush because the pick is the uncertainty. The pick is potential. You're always telling me how much you love Bush though. I'm a uh, whew, George W. Holy. Holy hell, man! We won't get fooled again. Um, Fool me once, shame, shame on, shame on me. We we won't get fooled again. Uh, yeah, I just we we've been touching on this a lot. You literally just touched on it on the last question. Um, Trade I, up for Kyle Pitts is my absolute fantasy. Okay, and my it, absolute I, like sweaty dream. April eighteenth is Kyle Pitts falls to eight in the Ravens trade next year's first, this year's first, and like a twenty twenty three third and get Kyle Pitts Cassidy who are the top three most chill Ravens of all time and who are the three least chill criteria is up to you I want to say Gary Baxter G Bax I feel like he's chill he never had there was never a problem with Gary Baxter he was never there was never any kind of problems then again he only had like two percent body fat so that kind of is unchill but I feel like Gary Baxter was a chill guy I read that I read uh, Next Man Up recently, and he's like in it, but he just doesn't talk to the cameras at all or the the book at all. Chill. So, That's yeah, he's, chill. Just, he's just like, yeah, like I'm not, I'm not part of this. Like, don't talk to me. I'm gonna go Gary Baxter. That's a good. That's a good under the radar one. Um, probably Jermaine Lewis. I feel like Skur is pretty chill. Well, he's not a. Ra- <laughs> I guess. I guess if we're doing all time, he's not. He's not. We'll go bigger, bigger body than that. Um, Michael Orr, not chill. I don't know why that just popped into my head, but I feel like he was not chill. Um, I think Jermaine Lewis is definitely chill. You know who's chill? BJ Sams. Yeah, that's another returner. He's chill. Because I, I just say that because I went to McDaniel for training camp when I was like 10 and he was there or something around that time. And I was like, BJ, can I have your gloves? He was like, he was like oh, buddy, I'd love to give them to you, but these are my only gloves, man. I got to use these. I'm really sorry. It was a really chill response. Yeah, that's pretty cool. Um, Michael McCrary is pretty chill. Yeah, um, he's actually, he's like intimidating, but like not like in a, if you mess with me, I'll fuck you up way. He but looks like, like, like Frank Grillo's like uncle. He does. He looks like he could be like an extra in Greece or something. It's kind of cool. He would um, come to Merritt when I worked at Merritt in Canton. And uh, he was chill. Do you still live around here? 
Yeah, I think as if like when I worked at Merritt like two, three years ago, he uh, he would come in there and he's like, hey, how's it going? I didn't even realize who it was. I was like, what? He would wear like really kind of like New York looking workout clothes. That That's not like, shocking. No, they were like him. sleek and cool. And he was just like, I was like, I know this human very much. Who is that? And you know who's I, a low key, really chill is Randy Himes. Randy Himes. He was like the quarterback uh, that like turned into a receiver and he like made some like really big plays in like the early mid 2000s. I don't know I why remember that human being. he's in next man up a little bit. And I just one of one of the listeners, I forget who it was. I wish I remember, but it was like months ago. Like for some reason he tweeted at the podcast account. He was like, dude, I don't know why, but I'm sending I just need you to see this throwback click of Randy, Randy Himes. And like I, I actually remember the play of him like scoring a touchdown and like doing this really sick, like ahead of his time touchdown dance. I was like, this dude fucks. Like, I don't even remember that human being existing. I'm Randy Himes. Some Randy Himes. Who's not chill? Ray is not chill. <laughs> Ray's not chill. <laughs> Ray's chill. Ray just plays Monopoly with his kids. And then one of them is like cheat or one of them accuses him of cheating or something. Yeah. Uh, who else is chill? Kyle Bowler was like douche chill. No, he was. He was Kyle's a good guy. He's he, he was like. This guy's chill, man. I don't remember him. That is the I I don't remember that human. He's chill, man. Look at him. He is very chill. Holy shit! Even his name. How many Randys are running around these days? It's a strong name. I feel like Adelius Thomas is chill. Yeah, that's another good one. Jared Johnson. Yeah. Jared Johnson's chill. He, he like, he's like a big time outdoorsman. He has like a very low key Instagram. I found like a month or two ago for some reason he has like the, he lives an awesome life. Going he's also like fishing. been on the, on, uh, with Jerry doing radio yeah. for the past couple of years. And I just never even knew, like he never it doesn't bothered even to ever like, like occur to me that that's happening, but I've heard it. Yeah. Like on the radio, like when it's Pitta, like, you know that it's Pitta, but like, when it's Johnson, it's like, oh shit, that's Sheriff Johnson. I always forget that he does. He's this. very chill. Yeah, he very is chill. Haloti. I feel like Haloti's, Haloti's really big. Chill. My mom got to know Haloti a little bit because uh, his um, kids went to the school which he worked at. Haloti, chill guy. Haloti definitely seems chill. That's the all all time Ravens chill list. Yep, it's good. Um, yeah, <laughs> a lot of like they're not Ray and Ed Reed guys. Not Ray. If you were a defensive player who was playing with Ed and Sizzle and Ray, you're probably pretty chill. Not chill. C Mac is not chill. Uh, Jamal, Jamal's Jamal's chill. He, Jamal is Jamal's chill. Jamal's cool, but he's not chill. I feel like. Yeah, he's just kind of like, party boy. Yeah, he still parties and like OCMD big time. Good. Yeah, listen, good for him. Um, which is chill, I guess, but it's yeah. like cool, not chill. Yeah. Justin Tucker is definitely not chill. Not chill. Marlon Humphrey is not chill. <laughs> no, he's not. Lamar is chill. Lamar is chill. Yeah. Gus is Gus might be the our Gus, chill king. Gus is, Gus is reptilian, cold-blooded chill. Yeah. Yeah. Gusto. It's a good question. It's a good question. Let me see. Gus is amazing. I love Gus. He's great. Shane Spicer, Moore or Bateman? If we're talking Rondale, the answer is Bateman. If we're talking Elijah, I'm I'm still still in the lab working on that one. Okay. Uh, and last one, DJ and K. I can't wait to hear from you guys. I'm perfectly okay with more venting about the crickets this far in L in F A L O L hashtag cracking my beer now. While well, you just got 45 minutes of that, my man. Uh, and then he says, Ravens are now sitting on plenty of moolah. What's the big move in store? Extend Mark Andrews. 
and then pretend like that's what all the money was for. We just felt really comfortable about where we were at as far as the cap space and decided that we were going to lock up one of our core players and uh, he's going to help us locate the microprocessors and Miles Kenefick and we're going <laughs> to take down that fucker from Southie and the Whitey Bulger, uh, poor imitation of him that's played he's by. He's been a guy who's made plays for us over the past couple of years. Uh, I feel that Mark Andrews is a essential Raven when we would really like for him to be a Raven for life. Will he catch 10 touchdowns? Maybe. Maybe not. People don't realize Maybe he was actually yourself. second in the NFL in touchdowns in 2019. Ah, okay. So that is uh, the, the departed impressions is probably a... That was my worst Eric Costa impression I've ever done. Well, I've listen, had some okay ones. We're getting, a, we're getting a little jebby here. It's getting late. We're on like our second hour, third hour of recording. So uh, with that, uh, the mailbag is over. Anything else you got for us tonight, bud? Ravens are still in a good place. Just the noise. The, the Ravens are fine. The noise is obnoxious. That's the point that we've reached with the national commentary and even I've definitely participated in my in it myself. Um, things are not as bad as they seem. They are not even bad at all. The people who want to see this team win just want to see this team win. And I feel like taking a step back, not looking at it through such a micro lens and I hate I I do hate at the same time like have faith Eric DeCosta will do it he's one of the best like blah blah like, all right he's, he's. it's just there doesn't have to be this polarized reaction where it's like if like one side is you know thinking one thing and the other side has to think the other thing it's like no like you know there can be let's have a little nuance here it's okay have some discourse some nuance uh, things are all right whatever whatever something will happen something on that offense is going to happen they will add. And maybe, hey, maybe it's just a freaking tight end. But another person who catches footballs and makes plays will be a Baltimore Raven after the draft at the very least. Okay. Well, you heard it right there from the horse's mouth. Uh, Sign Melvin Ingram, sign Ryan Kerrigan, call it a day. Okay. Xavier Woods, draft a receiver. Boom, done. There you go. Get to the AFC Championship. It's been written out for you in the stars. Well, we really appreciate you guys. Tuning in, this was a, uh, a fun little hour-plus episode here for you all on a Friday. Be sure to stick around for Tuesday's episode, the Beatdown Big Board, uh, for the safety position, safeties and slot types. It was a really fun little recording that we threw together, uh, and we're going to be tweeting out our poll for that, so be sure to tune into that for podcast, at Podcast Beatdown for that, and uh, also just tune into it for other goings-on with the show and whatnot. And also tune into the at Be More Beatdown account, which is our main account that also gets some show promotion and also tweets out our articles and other great takes and interactions and whatnot. You can follow me on Twitter at Jake Luke. That is L O U Q U E. Spencer is at Ravens Four dummies. That's the number four in the middle. Uh, and you can get us on IG at Baltimore underscore beatdown. Once again, appreciate you guys tuning in. Have yourselves a great weekend. We'll talk to you again on Tuesday. See ya. Arriva Derchi. Gorlaming. Gorlaming. Arrivederci. 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 Arrivederci.